Hello and welcome to Book Lovers Companion. My name is Edith and my lovely co-host is not yet here to join us for this episode, but I do have a guest with me. Hello. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. And our guest in this episode is Anki Chukla. He's a writer, an author, a nurse, a motivational speaker and a life coach. Is that about correct? Yeah, definitely. Except life coach, I haven't really done very much of over the last several years. I got some training and I was very interested in the practice. I haven't done a lot of it on my own in a while, though. <laughs> But it's a, it's a very it's a very interesting field for sure. And you say your everyday life or your day job is being a nurse. It is. It is. Yeah. And you are also what is called a traveling nurse. That's something quite interesting because we don't have that here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's um. So basically, as a traveling nurse, you're actually traveling around the country. You're helping out in certain locations in the country for a short period of time while they have critical staffing needs for whatever reason. Um, normally, the assignments are about three months and you can stay longer if they need you still and you want to stay. Um, we also have, you know, um, so there's a little bit of overlap, but there's also things called, you know, disaster relief nurses where, you know, like if we, you have a natural disaster somewhere in the country or in our, you know, obviously recent times we had the COVID breakouts in certain areas like New York and certain other places. So they needed a lot more hands on deck so certain nurses could go to those areas and work. So yeah, I mean, travel nursing is very interesting. You get a chance to travel the country, work in a lot of different places, meet people. So it's always fun. It's challenging, but it's, it's a it's definitely a fun job. We're recently, re we're actually in the, pro we, we're settling down now in Colorado, which are, is our home base. I've been travel nursing for 10 years. So it's nice to finally kind of settle down. <laughs> and get something more stable, I suppose, when you settle down and yeah. not travel around. Yeah. And your day job or your everyday life is also part of uh, at least two of your books. The one which is called Going Global, The Life of a Traveling Nurse, and the other one, Crossing the Bedside, Healthcare Workers' Most Memorable Stories. What yeah. can you tell us about both of these books? I've started reading Crossing the Bedside. I'm into a few stories so far, and you really get an idea you, you can never really know as someone who doesn't work in the healthcare field what it's really like for you guys but you get an idea how how it must feel a little bit at least working with patients and the ups and downs yeah it's And I, my goal with the book was not not only just discussing, you know, the blood and gore that you might see in healthcare, but also just a lot of the personal issues that they deal with, emotional, maybe traumatic issues that healthcare workers deal with. So I wanted to get a good variety of stories of what it's like to be in the shoes of a healthcare worker or someone that works, whether in the hospital or another type of facility, ambulance, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, it was a fun book to write. I got a lot of interesting stories in there. <laughs> Is there also another book there? I mean, a second one, a sequel for Crossing the Bedside? You know, I I think so. I would love to um, get some personal stories about what people dealt with, obviously, over the last year with COVID. I mean, I, of course, I have my own personal stories, but, you know, there's people around the country that, you know, dealt with a lot more worse situations than I did. I mean, I, it was crazy at times for me, but it was much crazier in other parts of the country um, that people were dealing with. So I would really love to get some uh interesting stories from them as well. So that would be something I would love to put together. I meant to ask you about a book, uh, if you are part of this book. It's called Thank You, Coronavirus, You Have Changed the Human Race. Who was the author of that book? Various authors. 
And your your name uh, appeared in the in the search uh, when I, when I was looking at Amazon, and I was wondering if that was you as well. Yeah, I think because I was actually part of a a friend of mine um, asked if I would be willing to share like a positive story related to COVID that I experienced, and yeah, I think um, my chapter that I wrote was included in that book. That brings me to the third one: Don't live the good life, live the better life, because. The, the subtitle of the COVID book is you have changed the human race. So change for the better or looking at life in a more positive way, is, isn't that part of your work as a motivational speaker? Yes, I, I try to always look at things in a positive way. I mean, there have been moments in my life, even of recent times, where I will kind of think of things, look at things more negatively. But at the same time, you know, it's always good to, I just feel like you feel better if you can look at something the good that comes out of certain situations even if they're you know not the most pleasant of situation circumstances uh you know covid was not very pleasant for a lot of people um you know i was lucky i didn't uh, i never i was never plagued with it i never lost work or money financial income um you know, a lot unfortunately a lot of people did they either lost their lives or they lost their livelihood during which was very sad to see and um but you know at the same time i think we at least i hope you know people learned that um you know who the real important people are in the world uh the people that you deal with every day are the ones that really keep the world running you know it's important too i mean i learned a few things you know like that my actions may you have to, i have to be more careful about how my actions might affect other people because i was one of those people that uh always went to work hurt or sick or however but then you know with the pandemic i might have started to change my mindset a little bit like wait am i sick to the point where i'm going to infect someone else maybe i should not go to work today or you know i'm and I still I've ne I never got sick during the pandemic which is you know good knock on wood but you know that would that kind of made me change my mindset a little bit like hey should I should I reconsider stuff like that and you know instead of always going to work even if I'm you know basically I'm like you know if I'm not dead I'm going to work but I have have a different mindset related to that <laughs> and you know it also taught me important things about hey there's um one thing it taught me was the fact that so many people lost their jobs or businesses I think it further cemented my philosophy of not only relying on one source of income um, because it's uh, you know it's not like back in the day where you could rely on one source for decades and you know you'd be good on retirement nowadays you really have to have multiple sources of income to make sure that you are taken care of not ne you know, not necessarily because you want to be rich but just be, be taken care of take care of yourself take care of your family and take and you know even take care of other people if you have the capability of doing so And as a motivational speaker, does that, or what you do, cover all kinds of occupation or just the healthcare part or no matter where in where in life people come from? Uh, basically anything, uh, because I believe that a lot of the philosophies related to motivation, you know, can actually span across multiple, you know, cultures, people, jobs, you know, it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, athletes, for example, or musicians or entertainers or work in healthcare or, you know, work regular nine to five jobs, whatever it may be. And I think a lot of the same ideas can apply to just life, succeeding in life in general. Mm, yeah, you are also a ghostwriter. Yes, yes. What can you tell us about that? I'm also wondering, a ghostwriter. We most of us have strange ideas, are probably about ghostwriter or what they do or how that works. So, what can yeah. you tell us about that part? Yeah, I mean, it's basically a lot. Of what it sounds like, they're ghosts. They're silent. You don't see them, but they're um, ghostwriters. Are people that write basically write books for other people, whoever they may be. Some people have whether they're celebrities or whether they're whether they're professionals, all sorts of things. But a, a ghostwriter basically 
basically writes books for other people. Um, they don't get credit as the author. Yeah, they don't get credit as the author. The um, other individual does that they're writing the book for. But it's basically um, you get paid to write a book for someone else who does not have the writing experience or capability or time, whatever it is to do so. So yeah, it's a it's a fun job. You get to um, learn about a lot of different topics, and it's you know it's um it's interesting. You learn a lot based on different uh, different clients and what their particular subject matter is. So it's a, it's definitely a fun fun uh, job to do. It's not I wouldn't say it's as fun as writing your own books because with your own books you can you have the flexibility to be more creative. But ghostwriting is still a very fun career to have, very fun job to do. And depending on the client, some with some clients you have more freedom some clients are like hey you know this is the topic hey write a book for me and you know i'm i trust you with whatever you give me other people are more they're more involved like no you know i want it this way and that way and that way no i want this change and that change so it really depends on who you're working with and we welcome the chattering teacup hello teacup hello Hi. sorry for being late oh it's okay i understand you were out partying no i'm kidding no. <laughs> no, you're you at your master key class yeah that's right yeah <laughs> trying a bit late did you learn a lot new things about tea now more about uh sustainability and oh. tea growing oh interesting charities do you guys like uh, do you guys like indian tea me yeah especially the chiling yeah the chai yeah chai because people yeah india of course that's my culture ethnic background yeah everyone drinks tea chai i'm a i'm more of a coffee drinker because i grew up in the states and <laughs> I, I, i do like a good chai <laughs> <laughs> I thought as much that you would be more of a coffee person, actually. Yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> I do but I, I like um, different types of tea. When we went to um, London, you know, we always drank the different types of teas as well, London Fog. and. Do you have relatives in London or just for holidays? Uh, just for holidays, no. And the ghostwriting part of your job, is it only nonfiction or also fiction? Uh, both. Yes, both. I'd say I'd say the majority I've written is a uh, nonfiction, but there's been a few times I've written a uh, fiction. Like I helped one author or a client uh, write a book, like a fictional uh, war story. So I did that. And then a lot of other, lately I've been working on a lot of books related to, uh, you know, like the law of attraction or uh, there's a few I worked on on the stock market. I'm not a stock market expert, but I kind of do my research through various uh, channels and then just write a book about it. The writing part of your of your life, how did it all start? I'm wondering, I've, I all thought as a nurse, you have a lot of work to do. You, uh, it's, a, it's a hard job, isn't it? I mean, when do you ever sleep? Yeah, I mean, I... I find time and you know if you're I find that if you're very focused and not being distracted by so many things you can get a lot of writing done in a day. So you know it's uh, it's all about you know just making sure you're focused, you're not distracted by your phone or other things going on that when you're writing you're really writing and you know um and you know if I'm very focused I can get you know thousands of words written in a day. So yeah, you just kind of <laughs> A lot of it's just about being focused. <laughs> so do you um, fit in some writing in a break or only just uh, when you sit down at home? Yeah, I mean, sometimes if I if it's downtime, like if I'm on a break, I might be able to write a little bit of something. But um, yeah, like if I have a couple of hours where I can um, in, a, in a day where I can do some writing, I do it then. Or if I have a whole day like today after in the afternoon, basically here, I'm going to be writing all day all afternoon for a ghostwriting book that I'm working on. So yeah, it's just finding whatever time you can get during the day. And I don't know if you covered it, but as you're working as a ghostwriter how, and you're not mentioned in, in the book or as a writer, how do people find you? Is there like an agency for ghostwriters or <laughs> I don't know? 
Yeah, there's I do I work for an ebook writing company. And then I also um, I also find my own clients through my own uh, like website or you know direct marketing. So you basically market yourself as a ghostwriter. <laughs> and then I mean, I also have my own books that I've authored. So if people want to look at my writing style, if they like it, then they can always, you know, look through my books to see if if I'm someone they would want to work with. And are you a uh allowed to mention the books books you've ghostwritten to potential customers as a kind of editor no 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 i don't uh, I, i'm supposed to say basically silent <laughs> about the okay. books i've ghostwritten i mean and a lot of celebrities they've written books either they've had their books ghostwritten and you know i think they might have mentioned who their ghostwriter was i don't know but i for my understanding i'm supposed to basically stay silent about the books i've ghostwritten i'm also wondering Your, am I correct? Your wife is also a nurse, isn't she? She is. And during the last year, we've talked a bit about the whole situation of the coronavirus and the work-related issues. How hard was it for both of you coming home and having to deal with everything that went on? Um, it, it was hard at times. Uh, you know, we certainly had to be a lot more careful walking into the house as far as sanitation and things like that. My wife's pretty good about keeping up with that, uh, you know, not taking our shoes inside the house. And, you know, if we work with the COVID patients or on a COVID unit, you know, you're changing out of our scrubs as soon as possible, basically as soon as we enter the house. And, and you know, it was, at times it was emotional, especially at the beginning, because um, we didn't had no idea what we were dealing with. <laughs> so it, it was it didn't really become real to us until it started coming into our area. Before, it was just stuff you heard about either overseas or in other parts of the world. But when it starts coming to you and, you know, when it first arrived at our hospital, that's when it really became real for us. It's like, oh, and at that time we were thinking, okay, well, we're going to have to deal with it for a couple of weeks. So we didn't know it was going to be a lot longer than that. But <laughs> it was definitely an emotional time at the beginning. The hardest thing to deal with, I think, for me personally, was not having, you know, visitors allowed. So a lot of patients, you know, where a lot of critically ill patients were dying, whether they had COVID, whether they had COVID or not. And, you know, their family or loved ones couldn't be by their bedside. A lot of times they were saying goodbye to them via FaceTime message, uh, things like that. So that was very hard to deal with. And were you, during the time, still able to write or was it a like, kind of a relief to be able to write and flee the reality or yeah oh yeah I, I continued writing a lot during that time um, I haven't worked on my own books in a while but I have some ideas but I was doing a lot of freelance and ghostwriting so yeah no I continue to write during during that time for sure that's interesting because one of our other guests you might have heard the episode Harriet Armstrong she works for the NHS and she started to more or less put her drawings of her neighbor's cat into a book and that's how the whole thing began because she said when she came home after a long shift it was a relief the cat was there and it was fun and you got distracted from everything that yeah. went went on at work and people had a lot yeah. of time on their hands yeah exactly yeah you, you like you said you couldn't meet anyone you couldn't go anywhere so what to do with your time write a book yes. <laughs> exactly yeah Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, a lot of time, hopefully people took some of the time to, you know, maybe organize their lives, get gain some clarity, you know, you know, think about life a little bit, what the important things are in life, what the unimportant things are. Like you said, or the, the, the book you wrote about the good life or the better life, do you think now, after, no, it's not, we can't really say after because the pandemic is still going on. What could we learn or what could we do differently to live a better life? Life now that we have experienced such a world-changing, life-changing event? 
I think I think one of the best ways is like, you know, enjoying the moment more. I think we're so concerned all, often about what happened in the past or the future. Uh, I think the best thing, one of the best things I learned was, you know, just living in the moment and not worrying so much all the time about what will happen. But, uh, you know, just enjoying living in the moment. <laughs> And also, you know, just the idea that, uh, you know, the idea that, hey, you know, just our everyday people that you meet every day, you know, the people that work at grocery stores, the garbage men and women, uh, the healthcare workers, the teachers, you know, those are the people that keep the world running and always remembering that and not focusing so much on what, you know, all these public figures or celebrities are doing, but more focusing on what, you know, your everyday individuals that you see every day are doing. <laughs> Do you think that will it will keep that way? That we look at it differently or will it change when life is back to normal? I don't know. Unfortunately, I'm kind of seeing things going back to the way they were, how people do, you know, are obsessed with how um, the public figures and the, the, the elites of the world think. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of going back to the way it was before already. I hope not. I hope, you know, we don't need to need tragedies to remind us of that. But it's, sometimes it seems like that's the way it goes. <laughs> Mm, unfortunately sometimes it seems that people focus more on the bad things than the good things yeah, in their life that's definitely true that's definitely true now we should know better but it's hard to change i think yeah you said you also learned during this time last year that nothing is really to be taken for granted your job is not taken to be taken for granted your health and so on and uh, you also said you realized that you need your second foot economically mm -hmm. so does that mean you will spend more time writing or spend more time as a motivational speaker and less time as a nurse or what what are your plans for the future now that we are slowly going back to normal Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely always plan on working as a nurse. I do work for multiple different companies as a nurse. Um, but then I also want to eventually transition more into a writing career, um, have more of my income come from writing. That would be great. So eventually, hopefully, I'll uh, transition into that a little bit more. But I mean, I'll to some degree, I'll always be working as a nurse. As a writer, what is your real interest? I mean, some writers are completely... Uh, focused on their fiction, focused on a certain genre. Would you say you are di a diverse writer or would you like to focus on a certain genre? I would say I'm more of a diverse writer. I, I like to write on different things. I don't, I don't really have a particular focus or niche right now. So I, yeah, I like to, you know, there's, you know, like there's a couple of nonfiction, oh, sorry, uh, fiction books that I'm working on oh. currently. Um, there's, you know, I recently wrote a children's book. Oh, okay. yeah. So that's, my most recent one and then yeah so there's various things i like to focus on not just a not just one topic per se hmm? and then with ghostwriting you have to write on various topics as well so tell us a little bit about this children's book oh yeah yeah it's called the the name is i love your food <laughs> yeah it's a it's a th through my publisher lit genius books so they're we're a small time publishing company right now and um so they yeah so it's called i love your food it's uh It's kind of a book. Uh, it's about, you know, children out of school. It's about a, a bully and um, various other kids and people from different backgrounds. But the idea is that people come together because of the love of the same food. <laughs> ah, okay. And you other fiction books. Tell us a little bit about them. We're interested, especially. Yes. There's one book I'm currently working on. It's called, you know, it's about a little bit about my background. It's about an Indian family immigrating into the Western world, you know, the United States specifically. Then there's a book I'm kind of working on related to COVID. It's a fiction book, but based on some, you know, real life events that were going on at the time. And may I ask if the book, was it also you who wrote the small 
counter argument uh, about the the character in the Simpsons. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Apu. Yeah. I did write that book. Yes. Okay, because it is no longer, at least on the German Amazon, and we can only download from the German Amazon. We are not allowed to download from anywhere else. It's no longer available. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually, because I'm in the middle of transitioning publishers. Okay. So it should, um, I've only transitioned one book so far, so I will be slowly transitioning my other books. So um, yeah, I love you, Apu. I'm actually glad you brought that up because I just felt like I wanted to provide my own uh, commentary on that particular book, being Indian American myself and how I felt about the character. I, you know, the concept of the documentary that was made was that it was an offensive character and so on and so forth. But I kind of provided a little bit of a counter argument to that and why I felt he wasn't an offensive character. And I'm actually working on a documentary. Actually, um, there's a new streaming service that my friend owns and he's actually, uh, we're actually going to be working on a documentary this coming summer related to that book, kind of providing as a counter argument, kind of uh, interviewing people. So I'm pretty excited about that. We're supposed to work on that this summer. The streaming service is called Mobfi TV. It's M-O-B-F-I-TV. And it's a sponsor. It's similar to Netflix. I don't know, to Netflix or Hulu, but obviously right now on a smaller scale, but they have a lot of great content on there. Looking forward to, you know, starting my documentary with them. And did you have any negative or positive reaction to this book? So far, it's been mostly positive. There's been a few that have said no, you know, and I think those might have been the people I haven't read it yet, but you know, a lot of people that you know really were on board with the whole Apu is an offensive stereotype that saw that I was countering that argument. I think a lot of them were are you know angry about it that I was providing a counter and counter argument and things like that. But I'd say most of the people that have read the book or heard about it were pretty uh, you know were pretty positive for the most part. It was a fun book to write. Yeah, you know, it's a very short book. It's only like 40 pages, and it, it was a fun book to write. It's interesting that you said it did. You felt you felt the idea necessary, and some people felt offended by this character because it's a it's a stereotype. Of course, it's a stereotype, yeah, and yeah. it's it's over the top. But aren't all the characters in The Simpsons stereotypes? It is, yeah, they are, and I think I think a lot of people are arguing that hey, you know, we should just get rid of stereotypes um, in general. And I'm sure the other characters might be at some point targeted. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, it's comedy, so you have to be a little risque when it comes to comedy. It's it can't always be you know clean cut and non-offensive all the time. You have to, you know, I don't know. Me with me personally, I'll just ignore it if it really offends me. But um, you know, I, I don't know. I always thought Apu was a very funny character. Uh, my parents, whenever they would see it, thought it was a funny character they kind of like how they would incorporate some indian things like the episode with the indian wedding and things like that they were all it was always they always thought it was very funny <laughs> and i i get the argument that at at that time he was the only representation of indian people to a mass audience at least in the western world but i think a lot of we've gotten a lot of people are arguing that hey you know now you know you have a lot of other Indian people in different industries and even in the entertainment industry in various aspects. And so people are saying, hey, you know, it's outdated and uh, you know, that's why you should get rid of the character. But I disagree with that. I don't think it's an outdated character. I think it still holds a lot of truth in many ways. Um, so, but yeah, I, yeah, I make a lot of different arguments in the book about why he's not an offensive character and, you know, why I don't think he needs to go away, uh, whatever they I think they've already kind of pushed him down the ladder. I, I haven't seen The Simpsons in a while, but I've been told by some friends that say that 
Apu is kind of more of a background character. They don't really have him speaking at all during the any of the episodes. He's just kind of more in the background, not really saying anything. <laughs> Which I think, um, I actually think he was actually one of the more popular and lovable characters on the show. And there are actually a, very, a lot of shows where he was the focal point of the storyline. And that gave the character a lot more depth. Like he wasn't just the Quickie Mart owner with a funny accent. He was, you know, he was a lot of things. He came, you know, he came from India. He had a background in engineering. He couldn't find work here. He had to continue his education, but couldn't find work here. And then he had to basically get a job, find a job, whatever, doing whatever he could, which is actually a very true story of a lot of people, you know, a lot of immigrants that come to America and possibly, you know, um, possibly England as well, too. But um, that's very true for a lot of people, including my parents, you know, a lot of people that were educated and had were doing were a part of certain industries back home, you know, they could not find work for various reasons, either the jobs weren't available or their credentials didn't cross over. So, you know, that's, you know, all that is true. So I think they did a very good job of, you know, portraying that in, in various episodes. And, you know, they also point out the fact at one point that, you know, oh, who's a vegetarian? <laughs> you know, they, they, they make fun of the, they make fun of the fact that, hey, you know, the, the cow is very sacred in India and they, they have this, uh, you know, they have various episodes where a cow is, you know, being put up on a temple and, you know, being caressed and things like that. So, I mean, they do a lot of funny stuff like that, which hyperbole, but it's still funny. You know, yeah. it's exaggerated, but. That, that's how it becomes funny if you exaggerate it. Yeah, of course. Exactly. Of course Yeah, exactly. Is. Exactly. It's, I don't know, it's, um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, there's various, you're, there, I mean, there's like a character that's Scottish on the show and he's got he's got this very gruff accent and you know he's the the groundskeeper groundskeeper really you know he's got this very gruff accent and you know, he's always you know trying to fight people and things like that so I mean he's a, obviously a very exact version of a Scottish person so but it's and he's hasn't he also red hair and doesn't he always wear a kilt I think so, yeah. a lot of times yeah when he's not at work yeah he wears a kilt but I think he wears like overalls when he's at work but yeah it's a very funny scene I remember watching it as a kid he was um he, he was uh, talking to the police about something and while he was wearing his kilt and he uncrosses his legs and crosses them obviously they don't show anything but it's just you know you can see the cops kind of going back <laughs> away and uh, you know disgusted by it but it was it was just funny funny things like that you know it's hard not to laugh <laughs> we will look out for a re-edition of your book i love you apu how hard was it actually since you said you're moving from one from one publisher to the other how hard was it initially to find a publisher for your books yeah it was quite difficult i just um a lot of it was you know obviously getting in with the you know, the really big publishers is almost impossible. I mean, you're sending in your manuscript among thousands, but I was able to do some networking and I was doing some events in my local area. And I happened to meet a publisher that uh, was a small time publisher in, in my state. So we connected, he read my first book, which was self-published. And then eventually, you know, we kept, I actually, you know, reached out to him and asked him if I could, you know, what it would take to join his company. And, you know, he told me and eventually I did, which was nice. And I was able to write several other books. Important things were working out like I had hoped I'll, I'll leave it at that but um but eventually I mean I met a lot of other publishers along the way and there was another publisher who I was good friends with um, through networking events and when I was thinking about leaving he always he said he encouraged me you know hey you know um, if you want to join my group you know we can uh, definitely make that happen and that's how I joined a lit genius books um I start I start so I started with them last year and that's when I transitioned my children's book and then I'm gonna I'm probably gonna transition my book I love you Apu soon Because uh, since I'm working on the documentary related to it, so that def definitely want to get that book out there. So I'll, I'll let you guys know once I'm working on the documentary and once uh, 
that book is available again online. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that would be great about publishers. There are only a few very big publishing houses, but and the small independent ones, are there more or only just a few? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of independent publishers. There's definitely a lot of self-publishing opportunities. But yeah, there's a lot of small independent publishers around. And you said events, events in your local area where you could network with publishers. Also, I suppose, network with other authors where you get support from other authors. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of networking events, meetup events that you can go to uh, to get, you know, meet other authors and meet other publishers. So, you know, you might just be in the right place at the right time. And how did it work out the last year? I mean, here in Austria, there wasn't any event for authors or for readers. And we attended a lot of events online, which were organized uh, in the UK, which was great because you get an idea about new books and such. Did that? Ha I got the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, but I got the impression from talking to other authors from the United States that something like that didn't really happen in the United States. They were all cancelled and that was that. Uh, like like live events. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, a lot of the live events were canceled. But yeah, I mean, you had some opportunities to do uh, a Zoom events or various online events. Uh, but yeah, a lot, most, I'd say most of the live events have been canceled. Uh, I don't know if they're coming back now. There might be, but um, certainly we're still following a lot of social distancing rules. And was there any event, like, let's say an online event uh, organized by authors? Because that's what also happened in the UK. Two authors, the Locked Up Festival, for example, uh, organized an event and they collected money for a food bank. Did authors themselves organize such events? Yeah, I definitely heard about a lot of different events. I mean, I know I had to organize my own events in the past. I don't know if any, I can't think of any big events that authors organized that were charitable in nature, but um, it's possible that they did. <laughs> but that's a good idea for sure. <laughs> yeah. And how much work is it to organize an event as you did? It's a good amount of work because uh, you have to, you know, call, you know, you have to find the right venue which can be difficult especially venues that um you know will take you know new authors especially with travel nursing i wasn't a local author in the area so that could be hard to uh you know hard to uh, organize but um then, then you know obviously marketing marketing is a big deal uh getting people to actually show up is the hardest part i think um and then just you know kind of organizing how the event will actually go <laughs> Is it easier, do you think, or was it easier through this whole online thing last year or still this year? As far as organizing events? Mm -hmm. mm, that's a good question. Because um, I didn't organize any of my own events um, this past year, really. So I'm not really sure. <laughs> I mean, I think it might have been easier in some ways because you didn't have to you know, find a specific location. But I imagine the marketing and everything for that would still be pretty difficult. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's also interesting that some of the events that we attended the last over the last year, let's say, they realized that they might keep this form of uh, this attending. part of it. Eh? Yeah. Because there's a big audience out there that can only attend online because of the distance. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, I think we're kind of moving We were moving online anyway to a lot of online events and then COVID obviously just pushed it over the edge. At that point, it was like, yeah, what else can you do? So I think I think COVID was a catalyst for 
a lot of things that were already shifting in society. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Unfortunately, I mean, a lot of retail stores were already on the decline. COVID kind of pushed it over the edge and, you know, caused those businesses to go out of business a lot sooner than expected. And, you know, I don't know, some are coming back, some aren't. It's sad to see, but it's very kind of reminded me that, hey, I, I, I don't really want to open a brick and mortar business nowadays. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Positive change as well. I mean, not all was bad, wasn't it? A few things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good ideas. Yeah. So what is next? What What is really the next thing to look forward to from you? You have a lot of projects in the making, but what's, what's really something we should look out for? Yes, I'm going to continuing to do more ghostwriting and then um you know i'm helping a friend with uh, a few other projects yeah so th that'll be very interesting so i'm going to continue ghostwriting then i'm working on my other i want to i want to try to publish two of my own books this year one of them it's going to be named uh, desi pilgrimage d-e-s-i desi is kind of a, a term for indian people and so that's the book about the indian family uh coming to you know immigrating to india and the western world and then kind of the challenges they go to. I also kind of um, discussed the whole story that happened during 9-11 and how a lot of people of color, Indian people too, were targeted in various ways. And some of them, you know, were fearing for their lives during that moment. There were a lot of attacks, you know, around the country among various people of either Middle Eastern descent or Indian people, uh, which was unfortunate. And then another book I'm working on is called, um, the title is probably going to be My COVID Hero. And it's going to be about a um, a small story about a, a gentleman who basically works as a essential worker, uh, like as a garbage man. But um, his child doesn't look up to him because he's like into superheroes. His friends have parents who are doctors and lawyers and you know business professionals, whatever, politicians, you know, high level people. And, you know, his dad's a garbage man. And he doesn't respect that. But then just a lot of events happen during the book that make him realize that his dad was his a hero this whole time. Uh, so that'll be a fun book for me to write. Uh, yeah, I just kind of need like a month away in a cabin to do nothing but writing all day. <laughs> a lot of I need, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, then um, obviously that documentary we're working on, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that the Related to the book, I Love You, Apu. So I'm really looking forward to that. So people, you know, people can look out for that as well. I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm going to start filming this summer. I don't know how long it'll take to complete and edit and have out there per se. But yeah, it's going to start, you know, working on it here fairly soon. And yeah, that's pretty much about it. I'm actually starting a new podcast with a friend. Also a writing podcast. It's going to be called the Write Unite podcast. Oh. That'll be fun. Yeah, it's actually write and then the letter N and then unite. So, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I only have two other podcasts. One of, them is, um, one of them is Live Better Daily, my motivational podcast. And then another one is just a fun podcast I do with a friend. It's called the Karate Kai Connection. Do you guys, were you guys familiar with the Karate Kai movies? Uh, the Karate Kid movies? I haven't seen them. I know about them, but I've never seen them. But there's a new series that's out in on Netflix. It started on YouTube, but now it's on Netflix it's called Cobra Kai. Uh, and so that's kind of a fun podcast we do related to that show. So it's called the Karate Kai Connection. So people want to look that up, yeah. Again, when do you ever sleep? Quite a lot in the making. <laughs> I've got to, yeah, I've got to reorganize a lot of things. I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a point where I'm doing everything okay, but I got to organize everything to make sure I'm doing everything great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The man never sleeps. <laughs> I, I can say that for sure. He does never sleep. Looks that way. So is there 
anything else you would like our listeners to know about your work? No, not really. I mean, if um, one thing I would love to say is if you're interested in writing a book and don't, uh, you know, don't know how to, um, you know, definitely instead of reaching out to me as a ghostwriter, I work with all budgets. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a lot of the ghostwriters you might find on uh, on the internet who you might have to take out a second mortgage to, uh, <laughs> to you know, get done. You know, I'm very fair. I like to, I will work with people as much as I can. And um, yeah, that's about it. For some reason, because since I'm in the transitioning process, especially if people are looking up my books and can't get a hold of them, you know, they can certainly reach out to me directly and see where, see how to get a hold of them. That sounds, it does indeed sound promising. And there's a lot of things to look out for with your name on it. And also some without, some without your name on it. But still, <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, th thank you for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun. You know, I definitely have the goal of becoming a New York Times bestseller someday. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, even just if a few people read my book and become inspired or entertained, whatever by them, you know, I'm happy with that too. Why not? I think they will. And like I said, there's a lot to look out for. Thank you for being you. here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Have a nice Sunday. For sure. Thank, thank you guys again for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. And we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion.